Hello, and welcome to the Rookie Contract Podcast. My name is Dakota Zintak. And hello, I'm Kate Norum, and we will be speaking to people that are in their rookie contract in sports to get the freshest advice for those trying to get into the sports industry, as well as learn more about their story within sports. So now that you've accepted your rookie contract, what are you going to prove? Welcome to another episode of the Rookie Contract Podcast. Today's guest is Jenny Fisher. And Jenny is the NBA digital and social content publisher at the WNBA. And this interview is one of my favorites that we've done so far. Not to play favoritism, but keep on listening to hear some of the best advice I've heard since we started this podcast. So today we have Jenny Fisher. Uh, you're currently with the NBA or WNBA. Would you mind kind of giving us a intro of who you are and what you do? Yeah. So like you said, I'm Jenny Fisher. I'm currently living in New York. I'm working. It's at the NBA technically, but I'm working for the WNBA. It's considered to be an affiliate league of the NBA. Okay. Um, so the NBA is technically my employer, but I'm like specifically working on the W. So Got it. I'm on like a team of about three or four other people and we run all the digital and social media for the WNBA, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, website, app, push notifications, all of it. So yeah, I've, I've been in this role for about a month and a half now. And before that was at the NCAA and before that was fresh out of college, went to Marquette University, did a bunch of internships there. So yeah, but basically I've always been involved in sports media in one way or another. And that's kind of neat. Wow. That's all, I, I didn't actually realize, I didn't realize that the WNBA and NBA were, I guess now that I think about it, it makes more sense. But the, at the surface, I didn't realize that they were, you know, affiliates of each other. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't either. Wow. I think like at the same time, like it is autonomous in the way that they have their own commissioner. Like yeah. there's Kathy Engelberg for the W, there's Adam Silver on the men's side for the NBA. Um, but at the same time, like the NBA has so many affiliate leagues like mm-hmm. that. I don't think, yeah. think like 2K League, um, G League, International, Junior NBA, all that. So, yeah, it's actually so many different cool. components. Yes, very, sure. way very bigger cool. than I realized before I had this job. So the first, the first thing I want to know is just because it, it's so new, but how does the WNBA use TikTok in their uh, social reach? Yeah, so even when I was interviewing for the job, that was something I kind of dove into. I'm a TikToker myself, <laughs> but I do, I do have, I have to happen. I enjoy like- I love this. And make them sometimes. But I was like, I wonder what their TikTok strategy is. And so I was scrolling through. They've had one since 2017. Oh. Um, I didn't even know it was around then. Okay. Yeah. My exact thought. But I think this also goes to show that the NBA and the WNBA, WNBA are just so like progressive and mm-hmm. like- trying new things and new content even before it kind of like hits like the public and so they were on tiktok even back then now it's like a lot of reaction and really cool plays and things that like we can hype people up on um we do a thing called she got game and it's like elevating like young girls and young women and when we put those out on our social channels that also does really well especially for the younger crowd on tiktok Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the way that we currently use it. Um, it could probably use a little bit of a boost. Everyone feels with their content, but. Yeah, I mean, because you always hear about using different channels for different mediums and different audiences. And since I've noticed, I sometimes go on TikTok. But I'd be scrolling. 
Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's some. It's just something that I guess isn't filled with like because I'm. I just spend so much time on different different things that I wouldn't have even expected that. I mean, I know that like Juju Smith Schuster is, is a common guy that the Steelers use, but it's interesting to hear how you know, like you said, the uh, WNBA and the NBA. That's something I've really noticed is that they're very proactive in in a lot of different ways, and it's cool to see that it it also stems into the content creation side and stuff like that so that's that was something like kind of like you said it's it's interesting to see how the times change different ways that the sports industry is able to reach younger audiences now and be a big big factor in that but that was kind of just a little tangent i wanted to go on because i don't i don't understand tiktok fully i feel 90 years old when people talk about tiktok but it's super cool um i mean i just made a twitter this year and August, maybe, maybe a little bit before. So I just feel like an old man going through all this. And I'm, I absolutely I'm like, I love Twitter. Like yes. it's always been my favorite like platform. And so for me, I like Instagram's always been fine. I feel mm-hmm. like it's a good way to highlight yeah. the photogenic, visually appealing parts of your life. But Twitter, I can tweet like, hey, I'm having a candlelit chocolate chip pancake dinner by myself right now and it's like that's like you get like the true like meat of who people are and that's Mm -hmm. what I like about TikTok and kind of what you referenced too like I feel like it's not so much for brands but more so for people and so Mm -hmm. the person first athlete kind of platform storytelling that you can do on there is is what I really like but Twitter is my personal preference yeah Twitter is the best honestly I'm so angry (laughs) I didn't join (laughs) what oh I wish I, I think the cool thing about TikTok, at least from what I understand of it, is since it does have a younger audience, if they're able to see someone that they really idolize, like for me, if I was a young, like a young person on TikTok and I was able to see like Khalil Mack or some of these people just do like one of the dances that, yeah, Yeah. if I got to see like Khalil Mack do the Renegade or whatever, like I'd be super hyped. Like I would like the berries even more. But um But I think that's a it's a really cool way to personalize players as more than just athletes. Something that's getting talked about a lot more and more now is the debate on, you know, players are more than just athletes. They're humans, which is a conversation that I always love having. But to get into more of your experiences, you know, in the past, one that really jumped off the screen to me, and I'm sure that you might talk about a lot, is the Fox Sports internship. So what was it like, you know, working for such a large entity within the sports media as someone that really wanted to get into that field? Yeah, well, I think the first part of it that made it really crazy is it was in New York. Mm-hmm. Every other internship that I had done, like, went to school in Milwaukee. That's where mm-hmm. Marquette is. And so every internship I had done was within, like, a 10-mile radius of there. And then I wound up, I was going into my senior year of college um and i was like i need to get out of milwaukee like mm-hmm. was that best- hard to actually like make that plunge i don't th- so here's the other thing my dad's from new jersey mm-hmm. a lot of my extended family is in new jersey and new york okay my grandpa lives in upstate new york so like it didn't feel like so it felt like family was still there yeah. and you weren't like kind of like, i went to my i was able to go to my little cousin's graduation i spent the fourth of july up by my grandpa for the first time like it, it was That's nice cool. in that way so like location wise i was like one of my best friends who's also like a role model to me she's a year older than me um at marquette and everything mm-hmm. she had done an internship in dc and she was like if you really want to like go far in your field you need to like branch out mm-hmm. and i was like you're absolutely right. 
And so like I was applying all over the place. NBC Sports Boston, I remember doing like the phone interview for that and they were like, we want someone who's a Celtics fan because they'll know everything inside and out. And I was like, uh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, go Bucks. Um, <laughs> did not get that one. Really? But I think the, the best part about the Fox Sports one, one, it was in New York. So I was able to branch out and like mm-hmm. network with, with people here that eventually helped me down the line. And then just being at Fox Sports, like, um, they only tape one show in the New York office. They do the mm-hmm. rest out in LA with like, Colin Coward and, and all those yeah. new personalities, but like was able to just like, one of the first things I did, it was the year that Fox Sports had the television rights for the World Cup. And okay. so being able to work on projects with that and like NFL on Fox and MLB on Fox and the big three basketball tournament was in New York at Barclays and like mm. getting to that. So it was just seeing the media side where they're covering the event hand of, of this kind of a space. It was really cool in that way and just, I ended up finding out that my boss was from Wisconsin, but she was a Badger, so I was like, Uh, and we're close, like, and she was apartment, and like, we'll have old fashions and figure out where to find kids in the city, and so, like, things like that, like, and this is what I think about when I think about these internships. On one hand, yeah, really cool. Fox Sports is a really Mm -hmm. cool place, full of really good people, but on the other hand, it's like, I was able to be in a new place and network with people that I never knew before and try new things. And because I was technically a media relations intern. Mm-hmm. So it was still sports media, like I said, but for me, it wasn't like the traditional storytelling that I really wanted to do. So it gave me just like another lens and another way to figure out mm-hmm. what I actually wanted to do. So it was, it was cool in that aspect. Something that I've seen that is really interesting and, and it really helped me personally is doing internships that I didn't think I would want to do. Because it, it, I had two outcomes. One, I could do the internship and it was how I expected. You know, I didn't want to do it. And for me, it, I actually kind of preferred, it, this sounds horrible, this sounds crazy, but I actually kind of liked doing the internships that I really didn't like because then at the end of the day, I can kind of like, I'm the type of person that puts everything into like a list or some sort of way for me to visualize it. So I would have like a pros and cons list of, or like a list of things I wanted to do once I graduated. And I feel like for me, if I haven't done something, I can't write it off. And so I did game day operations and quickly was like, okay, this isn't what I want to do personally, but now I can visualize and be like, this is why I don't like it. But these were the things I might've liked in it. And I see a lot of different opportunities within sport overlap. So it's good to have those different things, like you said, different lenses on sports of, yeah, this internship may have not have been the greatest but I learned this or I met this person that is now able to kind of jumpstart me into their into their network that's something that I think is really important for people that either haven't done a lot of internships or still aren't sure what they want to do because there are so many different avenues you can go in sports like you said yeah. I've been in that situation and I feel yeah. like a really not talked about part of my story is like my very first internship wasn't in sports I was a news radio intern I didn't want to do news and I didn't want to do radio. But so how did that like happen? What? I was a freshman in college going into this. It was spring semester going into the summer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I really want to get more experience. Like I know yeah. what I want to do. Like how do I just like get the experience that I can do it? And there's like TV stations, uh, radio stations, like the athletics department, like you can go all these different routes. Right. And a mentor of mine said to me, you should, first focus on the journalism aspects and that can always lead into sports. Mm -hmm. 
that you need to have the storytelling down first. You need to have the technical, logistical, all of that down. And then you can take those tools into the sports realm. And so there was an open internship with like a hundred applicants for this news radio job. And it was probably one of the best internships. I probably learned the most that I've ever learned. It taught me how to literally pick up the phone and talk to people, which sounds mm-hmm. so dumb. Like a That's naturally like, talk really to people. a good skill to have. Yes. Like, especially know. our generation. Like, yes. Yeah. And the ones like younger than us, especially. They don't just pick up the phone and talk to people anymore. Like mm-hmm. I blame that internship on why I pick up the phone and FaceTime my friends in the middle of the day. <laughs> because I just want to talk. Oh, yes. Yeah. I like that communication instead of just like oh yeah i texted you like i don't i don't really text back i don't i don't like that no and you can't get the full story that mm-hmm. way either i mean you no there's non-verbals and verbals like all the all the different cues and stuff but that internship literally i i took it and i was like one of the things they had me do and this sounds morbid but they had me go with a news reporter to help cover a hotel drowning wow and i was like this is the moment that taught me I will never sacrifice a job in sports to do news. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was like, I can't, I, the, the news reporter walked right up to the family of the person who had mm-hmm. died in this hotel drowning and said, hey, can we talk to you really quickly on the news? Like, we would love to do an interview. And I'm like, they just lost it. Yeah. yeah. And Godspeed to the, the reporters and the people that can like compartmentalize mm-hmm. and do that kind of stuff. But I was like, I don't even want to have to be in the situation where I'm near it. Yeah. So that's scary. Sport, sports has its tough moments. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. it's not life and death as much. Right. As yeah. I think that's like the beauty so. of what sports kind of brings. It brings people together, but like we don't we don't discuss like stuff unrelated to sports. I guess, but it, I mean, everyone kind of it all kind of comes together. But I mean, kind of to to further the conversation about doing things that you aren't sure you like or something like that. I've learned kind of exactly what you said. I learned, I was with a, a USHL hockey team in Cedar Rapids. And like, it was, it was, it was just, a, it was called an internship. It was just like a general season internship. So it kind of gave you experiences of everything. It kind of did everything that, um, that you could have learned. But one of the things that I learned was I'm really good at going and meeting new people. Like when it's just my personal self, like when I'm out, right. um, you know, on the town like that. But I found out quickly that I am like, not awkward, but I'm really robotic when I feel like I'm being recorded or being uh, like looked at in in a professional view. So that really helped me. uh, And along with this podcast, it really helped me kind of make my personal life and my professional life kind of intermix where I can be the kind of the same person because I want to be some sort of personality in sports, whether that's a very small role or a, a big role. But but yeah, I mean, my my advice is don't count something out just because of the title. I think a title for the internship just encapsulates kind of their side of it. But having initiative, uh, especially with lower lower team or smaller team uh, internships, if you ask to do something, odds are you probably can. Just having the initiative would be like, hey, can, even if it's just job shadowing, you know, that you can learn a lot of stuff and you can build a, a relationship that like with your boss from Wisconsin can turn into something that's more personable and can really help you along the road when you're looking looking for that that big internship. Well, and but even yeah. real quick, my job at the NCAA, I was a postgrad intern for digital and social, and I would say 75% of my job became doing on-camera interviews of mm-hmm. student athletes. 
And that is not at all in the description, the title, anything. It wasn't even, I didn't go into it and say, I want this out of it. Right. It kind of like, was like, you have past skill sets that match this and we're trying to fill this role and we can't hire someone outside of it. Can you help us? And I was like, yes. And that's not in the title, but it's like, that gave me double the experience that I probably would have gotten out of it otherwise. So for sure, it's not constrained to a title. Wow. That, that's, it's so crazy. Like, there's so many different fields and people out there and they're all kind of like shooting on the same sort of goal. So, and especially in like media and sports combined, like, did you ever kind of feel intimidated by the other people that are in like the fields above you or in the same position? I mean, that's a good question because I feel like one of the, like the, I don't want to say the hallmarks, the sound that makes it sound like really intense, <laughs> but one of the things about me is like, my first thing is I'm going to treat you like a friend until you're not right. You, you just are always friends with people. And like, you're, you, that's like how I feel like the networking has gone for me. The second thing is going confidently because if you go in confidently, then like, you'll just be able to the whole fake it till you make it. I kind of hate that phrase. I kind of yeah, love it. Fake it till you make it. You act like you're meant to be there and you're supposed to be there and you know exactly what you're doing. And then you do. And so for me, I wasn't so much intimidated by other people like above me, but more so just trying to make sure that I was meant to be there. And I don't want to say prove myself, but a little bit, Um, because I think back and like my life really could have gone one way. And I think it's really Mm -hmm. gone another really wonderful way over a great journey. So it's just like, that's kind of the way that I've headed into it. I hope that answers your question. That's not a tangent. (laughs) It's so hard to like actually remain like confident. Like that's the thing that I, I think like a lot of people struggle with. And they're like, oh, how can I even like dive into that when they've done this so well? Well, it's a competitive field and notion over the past few decades has been like, you should just be grateful that you have a seat at the table in sports. Right. Be underpaid. You can be overworked. You can like all of that. And that's also what makes it even more competitive and keeps the hamster wheel going. So yeah, I can definitely agree with that and see where you're coming from there. Yeah. And I really, cause I'm the same way with the fake it till you make it thing. Because it, it's such a such a generic statement that a lot of people use. And I mean use use phrases to your advantage if you if it works for what you're going for, go for it. But the way that I see it is fake maybe fake the confidence until you have it. Because in in my situation, because I'm I mean, I'm fairly confident. Uh, I was an athlete for a pretty long time. And so with that I think comes confidence in, in certain areas. And I would say that I faked confidence in the beginning just because I was intimidated by, you know, I was working with someone that had all these great connections and I wanted to make sure that if he ever was, if my name was ever brought up, that he would have good things to say. And so I, I would kind of fake my confidence and be like, oh, I'm, yeah, I, I can do this, no problem. But inside I'm just like, oh, <laughs> time to really, time to make it. And so that kind of was how I, I learned to build confidence my like in my work because I've Personally, I'm a pretty confident person, but but like I said, all these different all these different experiences have added to confidence. I mean, anytime you do something well, for me at least, I'm able to turn that and be like, okay, next time I'm able to do it, uh, I'm going to get even better at it. And that's just something that you have to kind of compete with yourself at. Make it a competition of getting better with each time you do something. And I. I can't promise, but I can say with decent confidence that your work will be pretty good after a while. Absolutely. And like, 
I was just reading, and I reread it a lot, it's the John Wooden book about his pyramid of success and all that, and how like mm-hmm. he would judge based off the practices and all those things against the team itself rather than championship mm-hmm. pedigree. And mm-hmm. so I feel like that just goes to show, yeah, you have to stack it up against how hard you've worked and how far you've come step by step, day by day, and whatever journey that you're on in order to see like what kind of progress you can really make. Another thing is not comparing yourself to other people because every person is on a different journey. Every person has met different people and in an industry that matters a lot on like who knows you and what you've done. Like it's a pretty good combination of working hard, having good stuff to show, but then also it's, it's really an industry where people need to know you. So, I mean, if you can be the hardest working person, but if you know, you're one of 600 applicants, it's not, you're not getting denied because you're not qualified. You're probably getting denied because the team that has to look over resumes wasn't able to see yours before they, you know, were handed an, a resume by their boss. And they're like, yes, I've worked with this person. They're awesome. Let's talk to them. And so, I mean, I don't want to make anyone nervous about, <laughs> you know, not, not knowing people, but it, it, I think the networking in this industry is really what helps people get further along the road. That is how I have gotten every single internship that I have ever gotten. Like, Same here. <laughs> yeah. To my old high school basketball coach asked me to talk to his class that he teaches. Mm-hmm. And they were like, how did you like get the one at the Big East? And I was like, well, at Marquette Athletics, my boss obviously knows the person at the Big East because that's the conference that they're in. So they connected me and gave mm-hmm. a good recommendation. And then the person at the Big East yep. uh, recommended me at Fox Sports because that's who they have the television deal with. And then the people at Fox Sports, like, it just, like, all literally, like, I can draw lines everywhere. Like, you know how in the criminal TV shows, um, yes. like, true crimes, they do, like, the, the pins and stuff? Like, I, I could literally do that in my sports world journey with people that I have met and how they have helped connect me to the next thing. So, yeah, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely vital. I think that's, like, the unspoken rule of like how to kind of advance yourself in some ways that again can sound kind of bad but it just goes back to being a good person and treating people well networking is a really big thing especially in the sports industry because that's really like what it's all about is like people connections but like when when you're going through school like you don't really think it's like a big deal Mm -hmm. until you graduate and then you're like how how do I get there okay I have to work myself out of my comfort zone a little bit and then mm-hmm. you just gotta kind of go for it yeah and like it feels kind of schmoozy sometimes yes. yeah and you're just like I have to basically like make myself sound great I have to like say all the good things that I can do like what do I bring the, to the table and then it's, it's just like you know make making yourself look good essentially yeah and it's like one of the best pieces of advice I heard in college was it was something along the lines of like it's not it's not necessarily who you know, but it's who knows you and how they know you. Because mm-hmm. if it's if you're just like a serial LinkedIn connector, you might meet some really cool people and they might know your face, what it looks like. But it's important to make sure that the connections are meaningful. I actually might be taking this from one of our episodes completely, but it's it's really who knows you and how meaningful the connection you made with them. Like you said, all the intern, every single internship and every single experience that I've had is due to some someone I know or someone who knows me reaching out and 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 it's just really it's a very very important thing that I didn't know until very late into my journey, current journey. I know I'm pretty young, but 
but yeah, networking and meaningful networking is probably my biggest takeaway. And I think finding people who are willing to help you and also being mm-hmm. the person who's willing to reach out that down your hand and help the people behind you as well. Like one of my favorite professors in college, his name's Herb Lowe. He left Marquette to go to Florida journalism school, like great great guy, very well established and obviously on a big thing still. Mm-hmm. And I will never, every single Friday for like at least a month, every Friday afternoon, I went into his office and he would critique my resume, my cover letter, my website, my reel, everything. And we would talk like literally read everywhere and like everything I had wrong. And like, he would quiz me on AP style, like because yep. it had to be better. Yeah. Um, and then I'll never forget this. I applied for an internship and one of the people, I didn't know this, was a Marquette alum that had worked. It was at NBC Sports. Um, and now she lives in New York and now we're, and it's just wild. But um, <laughs> she basically reached out to her blow and was like, hey, I see that you're connected with Jenny on LinkedIn. Like, who is this person? She just applied for one of our internships. And he goes, I would buy stock in Jenny Fisher. <laughs> and he told me that. And I was like, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever yeah. told me. I was like, what are you talking about? Like you would buy, and he was like, I would invest in you. I would buy stock in you. Like you are a person that I believe in, in that way. And so I was like, That's to have awesome. people that believe in you, help you. And this is where like, it's just like a feeling of gratitude. That's mm-hmm. something else I'm really big on. Like the more you appreciate the opportunities that are given to you and the people that you're surrounded by, I just feel like the more it magnetizes things that will keep showing up for you and how you can show up for others. And so that's another one of my favorite stories because that's awesome. It's that's just good people. I, yeah. I can't chalk it up to anything else. And I'm going to assume it costed $0 for you to <laughs> go and see him. And yeah. uh, it's, free it's help. something it's exactly it's free help or, you know, it's, it's, it's integrated. I mean, I had to pay tuition. Yeah, exactly, yeah. dollar, but. Yeah. but I mean, it's, it's like, it's the saying that I see over all of, um, you know, all people's Twitter bios where it's like, it costs $0 to be nice. And it costs $0 to be kind to people. It's very, very simple. It's a very simple piece of advice that can really carry you along the road. We'll say that it carries you along the road. But it, it it's really cool to see that, you know, something as simple as seeing your professor for a month was able to potentially hand you this internship like that's super cool it's like i that wasn't in like my foresight you know what i'm saying yeah. like oh i applied for this and i know that this girl from marquette works there and that she knows him and that she could reach out to him like it wasn't exactly. the full master plan like the whole true crime thing that i was describing <laughs> but that's what it ended up this whole like plan behind it no whatever like the cork board whatever yeah, yeah. Cork, whatever yeah. but no. And this goes into like, my absolute favorite motto is keep showing up. Mm-hmm. I just kept showing up literally to his office. Yep. And that magnetized what showed up for me. And all it takes is just keep showing up. So that's something I've really held true to. Yeah, I, that's probably going to go into my I have like a, a notepad where I said like all my favorite things where, you know, if I'm feeling down happens to everyone. We can look at the look at our notepad and see all these yeah. awesome things that Kobe Bryant and Michael yeah. Jordan and all these very very well-spoken people said um you know in sports it's something that i'm happy is becoming more normalized for women to be in sports and for women to have strong positions in sports because i mean it's as as a guy people like when i applied for school and said i wanted to work in sports and like study sports not many people really questioned it because you know i'm the type of person to pretty much every day of the week the only reason I ever have cable is to watch sports. Like I do, I don't really watch TV. 
And so it wasn't a big shock to people when I said I wanted to work in sports. But for you, was there any backlash like when you wanted to work in sports? And how did you either A, battle it or B, and or B, kind of prove the haters wrong? Yeah, I think for me, like, it was a little bit different maybe than other people because I did grow up in, like, a basketball family, a sports Mm -hmm. family, like, in the area I grew up in was, like, very youth sports left and right, competitive high school sports, biggest football stadium in the state. It was very sports-centric town where, like, if you didn't play three sports at the high school, you were not. Right. (laughs) So, like, I grew up in an environment where, like, sports were very natural in, in, like, the girls' and women's space. Um, And my mom was a college basketball player, so, like, I have visions of of people and women in sports, even if it's not working in sports, right? Yeah. um, So I feel like I had that lens kind of growing up. And then uh, at, like, 13 years old, is when I realized that I really wanted to like work in sports. Um, it's the first time I saw Aaron Andrews doing sideline reporting for a Packers go. game on Fox Sports. Sorry, go Pack go. But, <laughs> Love it. And I'm not even like that big of a football head either. Like I'm, I'm purely basketball. Like I'm not, I'll admit it. I'm not a football not head. Head. Are you a cheese head? So I would call oh, myself yeah. a cheese head, but like I'm not out at Lambo every Sunday, like yeah. with a Miller Lite in my hand. Like, <laughs> But, like, but yeah, I do every, enjoy every now and then I, I will I will like that yeah. yeah like I'll dabble in that no but for me I think where I maybe saw the proving people wrong was like in the experience that I was able to get um mm-hmm. and that and that sounds a little weird but I mean it in the sense of like I had one internship for uh the Milwaukee Brewers where I was the only female in the whole office for that department um there were like seven or eight people um okay. And you think baseball, like, right, that it's obviously a men's sport and mm-hmm. like, but it was like the first moment where I kind of realized like, oh, yeah, I, I'm the only woman. Softball, like I didn't have like an equivalent either. And this was the, the hardest part about that internship. And again, I'm such a hoops head. I didn't love baseball. And so I, I, and this taught me a really valuable lesson too. It's that you take advantage of the seat that you are sitting in and mm-hmm. that you occupy but you also have to remember that there are people trying to crawl to even get to the table. And mm-hmm. if you're occupying a seat that you don't even care enough to occupy, maybe someone else should have it. That's and powerful. I mean that in yeah. like, and I mean it in not like a, oh, I, I'm so privileged and I can just yeah, yeah. whatever. I mean it in a way, think about who you are and what you're about and what you want. And if you think someone wants it more than you and you're not willing to, you know, put in, in the work more and put in more work, right. And like to be in that spot, I'm really big on, you know what, like someone else is dying to be here. So maybe this isn't meant for you. And so that was another time where I was like, I'm really grateful for this experience and I'm proving people wrong, but like, I'm not meant to be in baseball. My heart's always been yeah. in basketball. And again, I wouldn't sacrifice being in something else, but I think, I don't know if that so much like shocked people, but it was just kind of like a time where I started to think about like the whole women in sports thing mm-hmm. and like what I actually care about and, that was also tough because like the, I don't want to say like the testing of knowledge, but like I, I do not care about baseball very much, yeah. but I cared about being in sports and right. this was an opportunity that I could take to try and figure out my way. And so that was like one of the first times, like someone, I had to take stats for oh, a game gosh. Check the stats guy I was saying next I to had to do that for a football game. That is, that is really hard. If you like know, if you don't know enough about the sport, yeah you're not a, it's an avid fan yeah like the, i was like i know the frontwards facing k versus backwards k but like i don't know like the <laughs> like all the i was which sounds lot. again very stupid 
Oh, I know I'm making myself feel bad here, but it's like, no, that was a time where I was like, I don't even care that much to, to try and learn more about keeping stats mm-hmm. for baseball because I know I'm not meant to be here. Yeah. And it just drove my passion for basketball even more because then I was like, I want to brush up on doing all this kind of stuff in basketball. And it's pushing me to want to be there and simultaneously opening up a seat for someone else in this kind of role. And so that's just kind of one of the moments that came to mind when, when you were asking about that. It's not easy, especially when you do get a seat at the table. It's not easy to be like, well, do I really want this seat? Is this the seat that I want to be occupying when someone, you know, the next big name could be sitting here? But it, it, it takes a lot to kind of take that look inside and be like, is this seat that I'm sitting at worth it or does someone deserve it more? And so that's really, really powerful, I'd say. I think it was just kind of like a humbling moment of like, mm-hmm. you have to be choosy at times. Obviously, again, like you should be striving to get into whatever position you can, but right. also be choosy to be able to stay true to yourself and figure out mm-hmm. like, if someone else is dying to sit in the seat and you're not, maybe you shouldn't be sitting there. So going along with like all the good things that have kind of come your way, I'm sure that there has been like some setbacks that have kind of been like, you know, the roadblocks to you think have like halted being like where you're at right now. Like, has there been any moment where, where you're like, uh, I don't know if it's worth it. Like, maybe this is a sign. Yeah. I remember when I was going into that senior year, the summer where I got the internship eventually at Fox Sports. Mm-hmm. I got that internship two weeks before I had to fly out there and move out there and start the job. And that was in like May. And I remember I was still on the hunt for jobs and internships so late into that season where like Mm -hmm. for the summer, like what else do you do? Again, with the whole baseball thing, like summer internships, like are very, you have a very limited amount of sports happening during the summer. So that was another thing for me that I was like, well, I have to try all these different things because there's no basketball going on in the summer. Right. Which again, so all great experience on top of that, that I'm grateful for. But I think for me, like, I heard back like 12 different no's and the NBC sports one kind of hurt because mm-hmm. I had reached out to um, a market alum, Trini Kusnerik, who I didn't, this also goes to show about the networking. I didn't know that she was at NBC sports. People were like, you should know her. You should know her. And the first time I reached out to her was when I was looking for that internship. And I don't think that's ever the way you should go about reaching out to mm-hmm. someone. And I said, honey, I'm thinking about applying for this. I'm a Marquette student. And of course she was super kind and like, you should absolutely Mm -hmm. apply. Like, let's hop on the phone and talk. But again, like that definitely was not meant for me, but I was really bummed out about it because I was like, Boston would be a cool place to live. I feel like I would learn a lot of like the full content production side for like a, a larger market thing because Fox Sports is more of like a national entity and I don't know. So they're... I heard back like a, a good handful of no's. And once I got the no from NBC Sports, oh. I was like, well, like yep. am I just going to sit in Milwaukee in my college house? And like, I, I just had no clue. Like I had really big aspirations, but I kept being told no. Yep. So right. like, how do you compensate? How do you figure out what you are to do when you keep being told no? And I kind of got a second dose of that when this past year, my, my time at the NCAA expired in June. And I was on unemployment for two months, two and a half. And I was just like, I hate this. I know exactly what I want to do, but nowhere is hiring. I can't 
I can't do anything about this. Um, and it's kind of like giving up a little bit of that power and like, we're so used to being so go, go, go all the time in sports mm -hmm. that it was also a reality check. So I think it was just like the, the moments of defeat, I kind of spun into like, there's so much more to you as a person than just having a job in sports. And so like I nannied my nephew for my older sister for free for two months. And I like, I, I just try and find different ways to be like more than just what I do in the workplace, which I think is a good thing for this whole COVID time for everyone. 100%. But I think those are some of this, the setbacks are when people tell me no. And my favorite parts are when I get to prove them wrong. And in a very respectful, yeah. sweet, but still strong kind of way, like I'm still going to prove you wrong and I'm still going to keep going. Whether you kind of like, I don't want to say that they missed out because that sounds cocky, but I think in, in the same vein of confidence, like yeah. maybe they did. Like there's a yeah. reason and you're like, I can show you like what I'm doing now. Yeah. And I mean, there's a difference between being like an arrogant prove wrong and being like a confident proving someone wrong because i mean if you're if you're just on linkedin after you get a big internship and you're like yeah that's what i thought nbc oh, like it right. it's not there's a difference between that and being like i worked really hard for this and i'm it's super all about respect happy about yeah i think respect is the biggest thing you got to respect every kind of entity each person each company respect goes a long way well i'm like i think like another thing i think about is deservedness like mm -hmm. you don't deserve anything like yeah. right. even if you work so hard even if like yes you can earn things and you can strive for them and in, in whatever but like no one ever deserves anything i don't know because i guess that's mm -hmm. not up to us but that's kind of the way that i just kind of put it into my head it's like you don't deserve that internship like you can work as hard as you want you can have five past internships and go into the phone interview with them and talk about all those but like you can't what do you go and bring to the table. Right. It kind of goes back to what you're saying. Yeah. It's all about like, what do you offer instead of like, oh, I can say all this stuff, but like, what can I actually do? Yeah. It's in the approach. And I mean, in everyone's head, everyone's going to think that they deserve something more than some, I guess not everyone, but I would, I would confidently say that a vast majority of people in their own head are overqualified for the positions that they're applying for. Because I mean, if you were to ask me, like, if I, am more qualified than someone else i'm probably going to say yes because i've only lived as me i haven't lived as the other person and i know i worked hard but that doesn't automatically mean like oh i i'm i'm the most qualified person out there like that's not the case no matter how bad i want it to be that that's not the case and that's where all these other external factors come into play of like are you a good person are you going to yes. reach down and help the people behind you are you going to network are you going to show incentive and i don't know there's just a lot of different angles to dissect it from and so, Kate, are you are you good on questions? I think I think it's the last question. Oh, I think we are. All right. So, as I preface this every time, I've I've gotten a different answer for this question each time I've asked it, and I'm going to continue to ask it until I get the same answer. But you hear a lot of times, I'm sure, like five years from now, where do you see yourself, or ten years from now, where do you see yourself? But the way I want to see it, just because I get more fun answers this way, is a hundred years from now, what's the legacy that you want to leave behind? Deep question. Very profound. Let me start with this. I'm really big on journaling and reflecting mm -hmm. and knowing who I am and what I'm about and how I can, how I can let that live in the world. And so I think for me, what I've learned in my 23 years of life 
is that your life should never just be about you. If it was mm-hmm. about you, like, I feel like you're living it the wrong way. Um, and I think this is something, especially in my college years um, at Marquette, what it really taught me is their whole motto is be the difference. Mm-hmm. And it's being men and women for others. And I think like that's something where like in sports and in whatever other career, quite honestly, you are taught to have a one track mind and strive for success in, in one vein, like keep like climbing the ladder. But I feel like there's this parallel track that like people so often ignore of like, what are you doing for others? What are you doing outside of your day-to-day routine, the grind, what you have to check off a list? Mm-hmm. So for me, I just feel like I want my legacy to be someone who made meaningful connections with people who tried to make a difference, especially in spaces that have to do with mental health and suicide prevention. Someone who made people feel valued, who made them feel heard, um, who told great stories, and who is just genuine to the bone because I really, I really am who I am. Like, I don't think I could ever put on a face or like, just, I don't know, spew like some of these talking heads in the media. I just feel like, I, I don't know. I, I'm really big on leading with grace too. And I, I think I would want to be remembered as someone who really led with grace. Like, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for the, mental health suicide prevention cause and so I think that's something that you know I'm, I'm always going to be biased towards but I, mean, I feel like that's okay to be biased towards. Well enough <laughs> to say the last part I would add to that is someone who kept showing up is I yeah. think what I would also want people to, to uh, think about yes. And I that's, that's I'm going to say it. probably I'm going to say that's probably on the so far the Mount Rushmore of uh, of <laughs> best answers be- well, because you I mean me off guard honestly I, was I know it's <laughs> like you never expect a question like that no but it's a really good question thank you I'm, I'm, I I part Make of me is when some people ask like for the questions ahead of time part of me doesn't want to send that question ahead of time just because I kind of like the suspense the well, sort of. I, I mean, I always like the suspense, but I also like the kind of, you know, getting caught off guard in a sense and answering it truly. Because, I mean, I feel like some people, if they had time to think about that question, they might kind of put on, like you said, a little face where they might want to make themselves sound a lot better or something like that. But I think that there's, I don't know, I like, I like the genuine answers that someone think of you know right off the top of their head and you just proved yeah. that it can be done really well so i'm gonna continue <laughs> i'm gonna keep up keep it on i tried my best well thank you for for making me think about it a little bit it's always yeah good to have those those little bit of reality checks too of what you want to be remembered and what you want your legacy to be so yeah well i think that this was i'm, I'm really excited for people to hear this and i just want to say thank you so much for making it happen. I know we had to jump through a few hoops to to do so, but I'm really happy we could make this happen. And I'm really excited to see who you're able to impact. No, seriously. Thank you guys for what you're doing. You're doing great storytelling. You guys are people who care in this sports industry. So please know that I'm in your corner and thank you guys. Seriously. And that was Jenny Fisher with the WNBA. If you want to keep up with the rookie contract, we've recently grown our social platform, so check out the link tree in the description below that has all of our links. We will also have Jenny's links down there, as we are sure many of you will want to reach out to her after hearing her interview. So if you want to do so, please make sure to use those links below and say that we sent you. We thank you for listening to this podcast as always, and if you like this episode and want to show us your support, make sure to follow us on Spotify. 
If you're an Apple podcast listener, we would really appreciate if you subscribed and left a five-star review. It really helps us grow and we can't express how much we would appreciate it. With that, we hope to see you next Monday for the next episode of The Rookie Contract. Thank you.